From bell to bell and post to post. We got a big battle in front of us, baby. And it's just stopped. So let's get fucking like a monkey. Working the territories on the Northwest Coast. Who wants to walk with Elias? You're listening to Wrestle Central. Give me a hell yeah. On Sportsnet 650. You got a journalism for that? With Justin Morissette. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another week in the world of pro wrestling, which means another edition of Wrestle Central here on Sportsnet 650, the show that Sportsnet 650's Andrew Walker is calling maybe the best wrestling program in the country. I don't know. My eyes glaze over at the very mention of professional wrestling. Hopefully yours don't, because we got a fun show in front of you this evening. <laughs> I always love a, a nice backhanded compliment from Wax. Hey, we'll take it here on Wrestle Central. Happy to have you with us this evening as well. Uh, on a night where we're going to hear from one of the members of the New Day. In fact, the last member standing at the moment for the New Day. I'm going to go back to last summer where I had conversations with Kofi Kingston, but Big E as well. And I mentioned that conversation on the show last week in the fallout of the horror show at ex- at Extreme Rules. Ah! I almost called it Extreme Rules because that is essentially what it has been lately every single time. Oh, boy. That I did not enjoy on the television this week from WWE. Every mention of Extreme Rules, every highlight package that featured footage from it, we had to hear the horror show at Extreme Rules. Oh! Ah! That little scream sound effect in the background. Uh, (laughs) When we last spoke, of course, it was in the fallout of Extreme Rules, the pay-per-view that aired on the WWE Network last Sunday night. And I, in fact, got a good deal of conversation out of you, the audience. We've had a great surge in interaction lately here on the program, and that's what we like to see. This is why the show exists, for you to sound off on the stuff that you are watching just as well as me. So if you want to get in touch with me this evening, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can reach out via the text line at 650-650 to have your say on the week that was in professional wrestling. Or you can give me a call and we can chat on the air as well. The phone line is 604 Two eight zero zero six fifty. Would love to hear from you one way or another. You can shoot me a tweet as well. Uh, at Justin Morris with one R one S is my uh, handle, and of course the station at Sportsnet six fifty. However you want to interact with the program, I would love to hear from you because this is kind of a fun week for wrestling. I thought there was a lot of good stuff on the TV right across the board, but also a week where I'm having a very hard time remembering exactly what happened because. I don't know about you folks, but this was a week where, for me anyways, this kind of uh, weird situation where the passage of time feels both uh, extremely fast and impossibly slow, uh, as it has multiple times over the course of the COVID quarantine era, really hit me again, where time just lost all meaning. Monday Night Raw was less than seven days ago, and yet to think back that far feels like eons. I can barely remember, but... uh, I wonder if that is indicative of the fact that maybe, you know, I I say this as someone who very much enjoyed Raw and SmackDown both this week, which I was kind of surprised by because I'd taken something of a break from WWE weekly television uh, during the speaking out scandal. I I had a hard time, you know, throwing myself into that amount of weekly wrestling uh, when wrestling wasn't necessarily something that made me feel great about Um Myself or the wrestling business at that time. I, I got the appetite back. I, I have been watching the TV. I found the television very, very difficult last week uh, just because the go-home shows for Extreme Rules were not good at all. I thought uh, Dynamite easily won the week last week, but that was, of course, the third week in a row where Dynamite was kind of this made-for-TV pay-per-view, of course. There was a uh, fight for the fallen after two weeks of fighter fest so you know dynamite to me has hooks every single week there are things that i always want to tune in and see and it's going very well at the most part you know even if i wasn't engaged in the storylines of aew which i do find myself uh compelled by in a way that you know maybe wwe necessarily doesn't speak to me in the same way at the moment even disregarding that 
I still feel like AEW programming has certain benchmarks, certain hooks that you look forward to that regardless of what is going on in storyline, you're always going to have something that's going to, you know, convince you to tune in and come back for. And for me right now, that's the tag division. It's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morissette. We're talking about, uh, I guess, the general television this week and, and the feeling around both products because it's been a little while since we've done a deep dive into the weekly TV and where things are going and how we feel about it and so on, etc. We didn't even barely talk about AEW on the show at all last week. I got so many calls that uh, wound up basically being a show entirely about extreme rules. And that's kind of the problem. And I'll get to that in just a second. But, you know, when I talk about the things that I look forward to with regards to AEW versus what I'm not looking forward to necessarily from WWE at the moment, I always know I'm going to get a great tag match on Dynamite every single week. I'm pretty sure this coming week it's going to be a tag team title match uh, between Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order, two good Canadian kids from the Toronto area. And this was supposed to be a match that we were going to get weeks and weeks and weeks ago, uh, months ago, in fact. This was a match that was slated for very early and was kind of the first AEW casualty of the pandemic, not the biggest casualty of the pandemic for this company by any stretch. Um, But that is the match that they are promising for next week. After a match this week that I thought was spectacular, the Falls Count Anywhere match between the Young Bucks Uh, And the Butcher and the Blade. And that's a tag team that I don't necessarily care about even, Butcher and Blade. They've had strong showings in these big tag matches the last couple weeks. And honestly, I saw something new out uh, out of even the Young Bucks in that match. The Young Bucks worked a match that was entirely different from their kind of thing. They worked... Uh, kind of, you know, a, a WWE hardcore false count anywhere sort of match. Whereas, you know, I look, I love the Young Bucks and I love the Lucha Brothers as well. I was very fond of every single tag match that that those two teams had. Uh, over at the time, I believe they were feuding over the AAA tag titles because AEW had not yet introduced their own. This was prior to the launch of Dynamite in the summer of last year. These two teams had a trio of matches, a trilogy of matches, I should say, uh, and I thought it was spectacular, every, every single one, each better than the last. But I did hear complaints from friends of mine whose opinions I do respect. In fact, former guests on this very program who've joined me on post-pay-per-view roundtables to talk about the business we do so love tell me that, you know, I fine, I enjoyed those matches just fine, but they all felt a little bit the same. And that's kind of a uh, a criticism that has haunted the Young Bucks forever. You go back to uh, their their landmark matches in New Japan and Ring of Honor before that, you tend to hear that if you've seen one Young Bucks match, you've seen them all. I don't agree with that criticism necessarily. I think those guys have way better in-ring psychology than they are ever given credit for. But to me, that's the hook right now of this company. You can promise me any single tag match week to week, basically, with any teams that you have in that division. That's been the hook for Dynamite four, five, six weeks in a row at this point, and that includes big pay-per-view level cards that they gave away for free on TV. When you have a tag division that you have invested in enormously, uh, not just in taking it seriously and giving it time to have excellent barn burner matches on television, but also... You know, lodging some of your top singles talents in the company in the division as well in uh, the Lucha Brothers and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Those are, you know, four of the greatest wrestlers in the world, never mind uh, AEW. Maybe Hangman's not at the global level quite yet, but he's not far off either as, you know, as it comes, uh, as, as far as it goes with, uh, with charisma anyways. The man's fantastic on the microphone. I'm enjoying Kenny Omega every, or Hangman Page every single week. And boy, do I have things to look forward to there. When I think about AEW, I'm constantly excited about the future and these tantalizing programs that they're dangling in front of our faces ever so slowly. Are we going to get a six-man tag match that divides our current tag team champions on opposite sides of it with Kenny Omega and the Bucks taking on Hangman Page in the Revival? Absolutely we're going to get that match. It's been very, very clear on the television for the last couple of weeks that that is what's coming. And, you know, it's not a problem that this direction is forecasted. Look, we might not get that 
singles match between the Young Bucks and the Revival for years, or not years at this point, but for basically a year, essentially. I think they could go all the way until Double or Nothing next summer, at the beginning of the summer next year, before giving us that head-to-head tag match. In the meantime... Oh, I'm licking my chops at every opportunity for these teams to come in contact. That six-man tag, and it is going to happen, whether it's the match that those six guys are going to be involved in at All Out over Labor Day weekend or not is yet to be seen, but that's certainly a match that's going to happen. That's something to look forward to. Cody Rhodes' open challenge right now is something to look forward to, something a little different every single week. And we need to talk about Cody at some point. I think I'm going to save that conversation a little bit later in the show because I do want to circle back to Raw. And, you know, what I would say is a criticism of WWE that I could level at the moment. And that is coming again from a place of someone who really enjoyed Raw this week. I thought it was a good show as I was watching it. But as I sit here six days later to break it down, I'm having a hard time remembering entirely what happened. And part of that is because I don't have a ton of hooks with regards to what I'm going to tune in and see again. When you look at what they sold us for tomorrow's Raw in the advertisements on uh, Friday's SmackDown on Sportsnet 360, you know, if you watched last week's pay-per-view, which I know a lot of uh, you guys did, as I had plenty of texts and calls about it, if you la- if you watched Extreme Rules, there's not a ton for you to be excited about on Raw tomorrow because you're going to get Sasha Banks versus Asuka again and you're going to get Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre again. And now, granted, both of those matches were totally fine. I would say the women's match was actually probably the best match on the card, even if it got undone with some ridiculously silly booking uh, before it was all said and done. We talked about that on the show last week, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think there's a ton of of interest in watching these matches that had a silly finish or silly booking, a silly stipulation. You know, I don't think there's a ton of people who are licking their chops to tune in tomorrow night and watch Dolph and Drew again, though the shoe was on the other foot this time and Drew gets to pick the stipulation. This is such a a holdover feud, and maybe tomorrow night that match is interrupted by, let's say, Randy Orton, and we're finally kickstarted on the road to SummerSlam with a program people are actually interested in between McIntyre and Orton. But in the meantime, you know, until you give that to me and it's actually something concrete in my mind, I'm not really excited to tune in to Raw tomorrow. And that's weird because I liked watching Raw last week. There were a lot of good things that happened on it. But it kind of shows that TV at the moment for WWE might be a bigger priority than their network specials. Because, of course, these are not pay-per-views anymore. They kind of take it for granted that the set number of people that they have subscribing to the network every single month are going to be there to watch these shows regardless of what they put on them. And I thought actually both Raw and SmackDown this week had better stuff on them than the pay-per-view did. That was certainly the case on SmackDown where the main event was a bar brawl between Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, a match that was originally announced for Extreme Rules, but I fully understand why it didn't happen on that pay-per-view, and it's because if you put that and the Wyatt Swamp fight from last week on the same show, one of them is going to greatly outshine the other, and it's not the one that you want to have the extra focus. It's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morissette, and we are talking about WWE and uh, you know what's going on with that company at the moment, how they can be better, and uh, and how they're doing all right as well. Look, it's not all it's not all doom and gloom around WWE at the moment. I don't want to paint this contrast between them and AEW that AEW is just mopping the floor with WWE because they're not necessarily. They are in the Wednesday Night Wars, certainly. The last couple weeks in particular, WWE uh, or NXT, which is WWE, let's be honest, uh, not faring well in the ratings war the last couple weeks. Last week, they won the overall number but uh, got smoked in the demo, 70,000 to 6,000 in the key demographic. The overall numbers as far as uh, the ratings down south 
how the uh, shows compare on TNT for AEW and on USA for NXT. And this week, the overall number was a huge gulf. Not only did AEW win the ratings, but uh, they they won the demo, which they often do. AEW almost always wins the key demographic, which is men age 18 to 49 every single week, which, which indicates... You know, when WWE does a bigger ratings number but gets smoked in the demo like NXT did last week, that there is an enormous number of people, a sizable and significant chunk of the wrestling audience that is over the age of 49. And this was a huge problem for hockey not that long ago as well. Might still be a huge problem for hockey, honestly, when you look down south and uh, some of the ratings numbers for NHL games are lower than WNBA games. And that's not a slight on the WNBA. I'm glad those ladies are drying eyeballs in a way that the NHL is not. But when you look at NHL ratings, oftentimes the numbers skew older. That's where WWE finds themselves at the moment as well. And that is a tough problem. You have to be able to make yourself seem cool and appeal to young people and cater to a younger demographic. And that's what WWE is supposed to be good at. It's supposed to be the product that's for kids. And yet this family-friendly, safe, exceedingly safe, especially relative to what it used to be and what perhaps AEW is doing right now, family-friendly kids product is often resonating with an audience of seniors, which I find to be puzzling, to be perfectly honest, especially NXT. The fact that NXT does fantastic with uh, with a, you know, upwards of 50 crowd. Uh, and that's the bulk of their viewership. When you look at how the demographic numbers break down, the exciting, hot, young product that is NXT that is supposed to be WWE's indie killer, their answer to an AEW, their answer uh, that nearly put Ring of Honor in the ground, though I will say ROH looking quite poised at the moment to recover quite nicely into 2021. That company has put together a pretty pretty quality roster, honestly, in terms of the talent available to them after WWE and AEW have seemingly scooped up everything. Not quite. ROH still carving out an interesting niche for itself, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just sort of excited to watch the rise of Ring of Honor again, who probably have acquitted themselves best of any company here in the COVID era by simply not running any shows at all. Uh, you know, but that's what NXT is supposed to be. It was supposed to be the indie killer, and it nearly killed ROH. It nearly has killed Impact. Uh, you know, AEW is doing very, very well at the moment. But the, when that is the show that is supposed to be catered to a young audience, it's supposed to have fast, hard-hitting action, all the kind of buzzwords that we associate with the way AEW wants to target itself at TNT's NBA audience. The NBA, of course, a sports league that does exceedingly well with young people because it's fast. It's full of exciting action. Well, so is AEW wrestling, and so is NXT wrestling, to be perfectly honest. And that's why it's so weird when you look at the demographic breakdown and this young, exciting show is just scoring huge with like 50 and 60 and 70-year-olds. But maybe, maybe perhaps there's something in the classical uh, presentation of an NXT that reminds that audience of the wrestling they grew up with when they were younger, the studio wrestling of the you know 70s and early 80s in a way that current WWE product does not. Maybe there's something to that. I don't really know. Uh, again, it's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morris. The show is live and interactive as we are every single Sunday night at 10 p.m. here on Sportsnet 650. You can get in touch with me in a couple of ways via the text line at 650-650, or you can give me a call as well, 604-280-0650. Would love to hear your thoughts on the week that was if you watched the television from WWE or AEW, or perhaps you spent your weekend cooped up indoors in this beautiful, sunny uh, weekend here in Vancouver watching GCW Homecoming because GCW is that company right now. Like ECW used to be back in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s 
where, you know, everything that they did just felt so exciting and so cutting edge in a way that mainstream wrestling was not. If you watched that show, I have not yet had a chance to dive in. I was planning to this evening, but uh, got caught up in some dinner plans instead. I really want to watch it. Leo Rush, of course, you might remember as Bobby Lashley's manager in WWE last year, uh, had what he calls his final match. Whether that is actually the case remains to be seen. If I had to bet on it, I would say Leo Rush will work again. He is a young man. He is extremely talented. Look, maybe he's just going through a spell where wrestling isn't exactly turning his crank the way it used to. And you can't fault a guy when you go through the kind of experience that he did with WWE over the last year if that is the case. You know, a guy who got called up to the main roster to uh, kind of tag with and manage Bobby Lashley and make him into a big deal who created all these slogans and T-shirt catchphrases but didn't see any money off of it. Uh, was, you know, made into a pariah when he publicly complained about that and was kind of roasted in particular by Mark Henry for, uh, you know, basically being a rookie with an attitude, a guy who didn't want to carry the veterans' bags off the bus into the hotel, uh, that kind of guy, uh, perhaps. But, you know, maybe maybe there is a point to that. Maybe when you're being paid a pittance the way that a guy like Leo Rush was relative to the role he was fulfilling on a massive international company, maybe you do have justifiable cause to be like, I'm not your bus boy. Uh, but regardless, he had a ton of heat on him. The last year, very difficult for Leo Rush, even if he did enjoy some brief success as WWE Cruiserweight Champion before inevitably being released from the company during the widespread releases uh, that came down at the beginning of the pandemic. Leo Rush, extremely talented, has had four matches against Joey Janela in the past, is two for two in those four matches. They had the quote-unquote final match this afternoon. I have not yet seen it, but I'm told it is an absolute classic, and I really am excited to get my eyes on that one. Uh, you can talk to me about whatever you like. Give me a call, 604-280-0650. Give me a text at 650-650. Lorne from Victoria has weighed in on the text line. Uh, Lorne, of course, well aware that we're going to be talking uh, about Big E Langston, or just Big E, I guess. Big Epsilon Langston. That's what he always is to me. <laughs> uh, Biggie, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later in the show as we revisit an interview from last summer. Uh, he says, Biggie beats AJ Styles for the Intercontinental title, freeing Styles up for a program versus Strowman, and Biggie starts retaining using overly aggressive beatdowns of opponents, bringing back the five count from NXT, starting off a slow burn heel turn. That's Lorne. In Victoria. And look, Lauren, I don't fault your thinking there entirely. That was something that we talked about on the show last week after the New Day dropped the belts. If this was the time to perhaps uh, look at a split in the ranks there and uh, send Biggie on a big solo push, as I, I think there's a lot of people, myself included, who want to see that happen. Heck, and from the television this week, Kofi Kingston, one of those guys as well. Uh, but, you know. You don't necessarily have to break up the team to do this at the moment because all you have to do is uh, just strap the rocket to this guy while the other two guys are on the shelf. The injury bug has presented you with a golden opportunity, and that was essentially uh, the thrust of Kofi's promo on Friday's SmackDown this past week, uh, a, a promo that I thought was quite strong, in fact, and I'm talking about things to look forward to and not necessarily having future hooks uh, memorable moments to uh, push things forward on the television. As I said, I enjoyed both Raw and SmackDown this week, but I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what happened on those shows, which is especially bad for SmackDown as a show that I watched on PVR earlier this evening about five hours ago. I can't remember what happened on it. One thing that does jump out, one hook for the future that I am excited about, is exactly what Lauren is talking about right there. Kofi Kingston coming out of the medical room saying that his ribs are banged up and he's going to be on the shelf for the foreseeable future. Of course, Xavier Woods already on the shelf as well. Kofi's exact words were, fate is speaking to us. Putting a positive spin on his injury, that it is time for Big E to shine. And it really is. And look, I don't know that Lauren's booking there is entirely off base. I wouldn't turn him heel. I wouldn't break up the New Day at all, in fact. I'd keep those guys as a strong unit together even if the three of them are enjoying solo success. You can put Big E and Kofi in separate singles divisions, have Woods manage them both, 
And this is, uh, you know, something that you can lean on as a six-man tag match when you bump these feuds together if Kofi and Biggie happen to have separate feuds is what I'm saying. There's a way to do this where the New Day stays together, and I know that they want to stay together because that's exactly what Big E told me. That's exactly what you're going to hear from him a little bit later on in the show tonight. And look, I know that I am playing an interview from last summer, uh, so sue me, but, you know, I know that there is a sizable chunk of the Wrestle Central audience out there who has only discovered the show in the last couple weeks or couple months during the pandemic, basically, and has never heard any of my conversations with WWE talent that I had back over SummerSlam weekend. I do think, however, that Lorne is on to something here, that, that Big E is going to enter the intercontinental title pitcher, and he might just be the guy to take that belt off of AJ Styles. I disagree, Lorne. It's not going to be a heel thing. Though maybe I guess you could turn the entire trio of New Day heel if you chose to do that. They're obviously exceptional at both alignments, and it is starting to feel like Babyface New Day is maybe hitting its last legs in this iteration. I could use annoying, dastardly heel New Day again. Uh, You know, the guys that were such annoying heels that... Even sniveling heel Seth Rollins hated to work alongside them. That iteration of New Day, the guys who I think won the titles at SummerSlam 2015, wow, some five years ago now. It's crazy to think about the longevity of New Day as an act. Um, I mean, there was a tweet that was going around Twitter yesterday. Uh, it's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morissette. There's a tweet that was going around Twitter yesterday asking people what they remembered about their first ever house show. And uh, I know that I have been a fan of the business for a very long time. Uh, I know that I uh, was a big wrestling fan back in my uh, early years, in my youth, during the Attitude Era. I couldn't get enough of it. But I am ashamed to admit to you, ladies and gentlemen, here on the program tonight, that uh, I never attended a wrestling show until 2014 because my parents just would not allow me to do it. I remember the the last pay-per-view, actually, that took place here in Vancouver, and remember this, because we will be talking about it again on the show in the weeks ahead as its 20th anniversary approaches, but the last time that any company held the pay-per-view in Vancouver was WCW New Blood Rising back in the summer of 2000. It was a show that sold very, very poorly. <laughs> I think on the day, they were papering it to the extent that you could get in the building for I think five, seven, maybe ten dollars. Heck, possibly even for free uh, with your PNE pass for the day because it was held at the Coliseum. So, uh, you know, I wanted to go to that show. I wanted to go to Rock Bottom in '98. I wanted to go to the multiple Monday Night Raws that have been held in our fair city. I did not go to a show until 2014. And one of the things that I do remember about that show was seeing the New Day on the undercard. They were kind of early in their run, back when they were still kind of um, like street preachers a little bit, or they had that gospel choir sort of deal going, before they'd really settled in and found their characters, when the gimmick was brand new. I remember seeing that act uh, out at the Abbotsford Center at a house show. I cannot remember who they were wrestling against. It might have been the Lucha Dragons, or possibly Bo Dallas and Tyler Breeze. Uh, regardless, I do remember seeing that act live in person six years ago and thinking, oh boy, this thing's dead in the water. This is never going to last. This is terrible. You know, we were sarcastically doing the clap along, sarcastically saying New Day rocks, but they were getting a reaction, even if it was a sarcastic one. And I always had some sort of affection for them since that night, even if it was entirely ironic. Uh, That's where I'm at with that group. Uh, But here they are. Six years later, they've found a way to keep themselves fresh. They've found a way to keep going strong. And that's something that I talked about with Big E last summer as well. And instead of continuing to tease that interview all night long, why don't we just take a break? And when we come back, you can hear from the man himself. It's my interview with Big E of the New Day on the other side. My name is Justin Morissette, and you're listening to the home of professional wrestling on the radio in Vancouver. It's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. Oh! you dare be sour clap for your world famous five-time champs and feel the power it's a new day yes it is 
pick yourself up off the mat. It's time for more Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650 with Justin Morissette. Oh, yes, it is. We are back with more Wrestle Central here on Sportsnet 650. That music can only mean one thing. Yes, we are going to hear from Big E of the New Day. Revisit a conversation that I had with uh, the man known as Big Epsilon last summer in the conference center of a hotel in downtown Toronto ahead of SummerSlam last August. Uh, a new interview, perhaps, to a number of listeners, as I know a ton of people have discovered the show lately, including a gentleman that I have on the line right now. And you can be just like him. Give me a call or shoot me a text, perhaps. The show is live and interactive, as it is every single week. 650-650, the number on the text line. 604 280 the number to dial to grab me on the telephone, just like, yes, we are going international, folks, for the second week in a row. Jake in Chicago on the line wants to talk about AEW. Jake, how are you this evening? Yeah, doing great, Justin. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. What do you want to talk about with Dynamite? So, so yeah, uh, I want to expound a little bit on your AEW discussion. Uh, I, I agree with most of the points that you said, uh, with all the points that you said, uh, this was a great show uh, this past Wednesday on Dynamite. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, great wrestling uh, all around. Uh, great angles. Great storytelling. Uh, to me, I thought uh, this was one of the, my favorite um, Dynamite shows that they've ever had, that they've ever put out. Uh, I know it probably wasn't the most important in terms of stakes uh, compared to the last three weeks, but up and down, it was so entertaining. And, um, yeah, like a lot of people got over, uh, especially the Cody and Eddie Kingston stuff. I like the the storytelling, what's going on with uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. And, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, yeah, all, all those stuff. Um, uh, this, is what, this is a great template of what Dynamite should be, in my opinion. Well, a couple questions for you, Jake, because uh, i got a couple thoughts that I did not get to on Dynamite in that opening segment. Uh, first of all, the show goes off the air with a returning Sammy Guevara rejoining the inner circle uh, and, of course, setting up a big five-man uh, or, I guess, ten-man tag match for next week when the inner circle is going to go head-to-head with Orange Cassidy, the best friends, as well as Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I love how there's like kind of a dark inversion of every single guy on the team on both sides. Mm-hmm. They're like mirrors of each other perfectly, which I think is wonderful. But I am curious, Jake, your thoughts on uh, seeing the return of Sammy Guevara because I know there's a lot of people who kind of have mixed feelings about this. Obviously, Sammy was caught up uh, in a situation where comments that he had made on a podcast several years ago about Sasha yep. Banks uh, surfaced and uh, he was sent to kind of sensitivity training uh, because he had essentially, uh, you know, professed a desire to sexually assault Sasha Banks. Uh, he thought she looked that good. Uh, you know, a stupid thing to say from a young man, obviously, and definitely not something that you can't bounce back from necessarily in terms of the scope and severity of some of the allegations that we've seen in wrestling over the last couple weeks here, Jake. But I'm curious, how did you feel seeing Sammy pop up again? Because I know it wasn't uh, the most comfortable thing for a number of viewers on Wednesday. I really don't mind it. Uh, you know, I think um I'm pretty sure that he is a remorseful guy, and I do appreciate uh, Tony Khan's uh, statement uh, right after uh, right after the episode and saying that like he has improved and all that. And I'm I'm willing to give um, Sammy another chance. You know, I was talking to um, another radio show host in Canada, Jason Agnew, and uh, he was really and, and yeah, he was really up. Uh, he was really um, positive about it and saying that's uh, you know we need to. Um, I think it's a positive step to a, a good direction. So uh, yeah. I'm, um, yeah, to, uh, honestly, uh, with, to be honest with you, I'm really positive on a Sammy coming back, so I really didn't mind it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they do it without making a big deal out of it, right? Because like, yeah, it would have been nicer to not necessarily hang a lampshade on this guy's big return. Maybe he just comes out with them for a promo on a show next week, and you don't draw huge attention to the fact that he's back. I don't know. I do. I do get some queasiness a little bit by making his return. An angle, especially when you think about what he was suspended for. But as I said, like mm-hmm. obviously a dumb thing, but yes, I'm sure that he's remorseful as well. I wish there was a little bit more transparency, but like you said, Tony making a, a very good point as far as uh, you know his 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 future employment was not guaranteed. He had to take steps to improve himself as a person, and his boss, at the very least, is satisfied that he has done that. I, I did want to ask you as well, though, uh, Jake, a uh, call from Jake in Chicago. The show 
hitting international levels here as we draw American callers and American listeners. Uh, what did you think about that any, uh, Falls Count Anywhere tag match between the Bucks and Butcher and Blade? Because when you said that this was one of your favorite episodes of, of Dynamite, you know, it's a bold statement, but I don't necessarily disagree. I thought this show was really strong top to bottom. And that tag match, especially relative to some of the tag matches that we've been promised the last couple weeks... I thought really delivered on both sides of the aisle. I thought that was a like the kind of performance from the Bucks that I've never really seen before, personally. Yeah, me personally, like you know, I I know there's a lot of um, you know criticism about the Young Bucks and uh, and how much you know how much spot fest they do uh, on a weekly basis. But uh, you know, I originally thought that as well. But once I saw the Young Bucks in New Japan. Uh, especially with that um, uh, that match in um, in Southern California against um, uh, the Golden Lovers, that really turned that really turned me into a a, a different look uh, onto them, and really and they became one of my favorite tag teams. So, uh, but this like you know it was uh, against the uh, my on uh, this was this match was fun against the Butcher and Blade. Uh, I think my ongoing issue with um, their gimmick and their attire uh, that inspired is a kind of is a kind of weak in my opinion. Uh, like you know. Uh, it's like kind of like a chopping meat uh, kind of gimmick, and uh, just just want to make a little bit more like you know campiness in my uh, campiness uh, all around. It reminds me of like a. Up. It reminds me of like a gang from a Clockwork Orange sort of. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, uh, kind of, or the, something out of like 1984. Uh, the <laughs> 1984 uh, with uh, with Orson, <laughs> Orson Welles and all that. So, yeah. So the, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Um, yeah, just one more question, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I really like um, what they're going uh, what they're going so far with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, but now here's the thing: like you know, obviously AEW is not perfect, and here's one of the ex- here's one of the examples. I've been I've been such a fan of the cleaner Kenny Omega when mm-hmm. he was the uh, the champion uh, when when uh, when he was in New Japan Pro Wrestling, especially his feud with Okada. Uh, obviously, like uh, for the greatest matches that I've ever seen, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and and his and his run as world champion uh, real, uh with his uh, cocky persona especially going against Tanahashi at last at uh, at uh, I think it was uh, yeah last year's Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome uh really enjoyed that uh that storyline program uh so far in AEW uh like you know he's great like you know he's a great wrestler but I just thought that he just took on a more uh, a really too much of a comedy role uh in my opinion and just and some of the promos that he's been cutting um, uh, over like the past year and a half is really campy and uh, just sounds like a nerd, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I am hopeful around this and uh, around this to me because, you know, like you know, Hangman Page is getting over with the fans. He's becoming the baby face, and, and, and this... Kenny Omega will start will start to get uh, pretty annoyed with Hangman Page and maybe slightly turning turning into a heel, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, I do think that this tag team has been incredibly important to getting Hangman over. And then I do think that is a project that is perhaps a little bit more important than uh, just spotlighting Kenny Omega as the you know five-star bout machine or whatever he happens to be. Six or seven stars at this point, depending on uh, what country the matches are held in. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not one of those guys. I don't mean to make that joke, but no, I do think that that has been a very important project for the company, and that having these two guys together has brought out the personality in both of them. Though, wouldn't you say, Jake, that you've been sp- spotting a, a couple signs of the cleaner starting to reappear in Kenny's pers- persona in recent weeks? Not this past week, but certainly I felt when he was just laying into Marco Stunt, the match that they had against Lucha Express, there was a ton of the cleaner coming out in that one. That was the first sign that I saw when he was going against Marcus Stunts, like you know, being more of an aggressive, being more an aggressive, uh, taking more, uh, pushing more aggressive offense on him. Yeah, that, that was like the first sign uh, that uh, I hope that it'll continue to do that. So, well, yeah, I, hopefully, it'll turn out good. Uh, Jake, I appreciate the call. I do got to get to this Big E interview before too long here, but uh, thank you so All much, right, man. Pre- yeah, appreciate it, man. A huge fan of the show uh, for the past uh, uh, several months, and uh, keep up the good work, man. Appreciate, really appreciate. It. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. And curious to see that Jake would say that was his favorite episode of Dynamite possibly ever, the blueprint of what Dynamite should look like on a week-to-week basis, because I did hear a lot of people coming into the week who were a little bit uh, a little bit scared, a little nervous perhaps, that the show was going to lose its luster coming off of three straight weeks of pseudo-pay-per-view-level cards, that it might not uh, live up to that standard when you just go back to standard TV, but... Uh, 
you know what, Jake certainly enjoyed it, and you know what, so did I. But uh, let's swing back over to WWE because I did promise it earlier that we would hear from Big E. And as I was saying prior to the commercial break a little earlier in the hour, one of the things that we talked about is the fact that this is a team that's been around for more than six years now, who has never really gotten stale, who has always felt fresh. And the very first thing that I asked Big E about was, how do you do it? How do you stay strong? this long into a team run, a unprecedented thing in the history of professional wrestling. I think we've been very fortunate, so I think a lot of it, you know, I'll pat ourselves on the back a little bit. So there's also the fact that I feel like we have three talented members who all bring something different to the table. Uh, but I also think we've been fortunate with our runs that even when we hit moments of like, oh, this is getting stale, but then we've had something really cool come up. Like I remember, so obviously we had kind of the rocky start with the ups and downs, but we were then able to turn heel uh, and then have that, that great run where people were uh, really excited to see us and we're getting great reactions on a weekly basis. Um, all the way up until like the uh, WrestleMania Budio serial uh, run, and then you know you kind of hit a bit of a stalling point uh, a little bit later. But you know we had the longest, the 483 day reign, which kind of kept us fresh. Uh, but then we we hit a moment of being stale on Raw. I think the year we were going to host WrestleMania in Orlando, uh, you know there was a moment we weren't really doing much, and I, was like, ah, I feel like our reactions are coming down. And then shortly thereafter, we moved to SmackDown, and we were able to have this incredible four to five month feud with the Usos that really got people's attention, that got people excited. Uh, and you know, after that, you kind of stall a little bit, and then we were able to have this Kofi World title run. So it's been a mix of being fortunate to have these runs, uh, you know, right, you know, you have these moments of being stale, like, oh, we don't know, we gotta mix something up, something's gotta change. And then you have a killer run, uh, you know, that, that kind of gets people reinvigorated again. So it's been a mix of fortune and also feeling like, um, you know, we're, we're fairly talented as well. Uh, you, you mentioned the hosting WrestleMania there, and that's got to be an honor on some level. Is it kind of a double-edged sword where you guys probably would have liked to have a match on that show as well? No, man, because honestly, I, I say, like, I try to think of our resume within WWE as a whole. Being an entertainment company and wrestling company as well, you want to have these great, incredible wrestling moments and wrestling matches, but you also want to have these great, uh, memorable entertainment moments as well. And I, one thing that I love is that people will still, from time to time, will still hit us or replay the Hardy's return moment because it was incredible. And the fact that we are the beginning of that video, that we are the ones like attached to that moment, and you see us in the background losing our minds, and everyone else is losing their minds, and the fact that that was a secret that I thought was uh, kept very well, because so many times things like this leak, and the reactions aren't the same because they leak, but it seemed like so few people knew, we didn't even really know until shortly before, so that's pretty incredible. And honestly, on a card like that, we could have had a match that could have been lost, that might have had like 10 minutes allotted to it. A match that, that could have like easily been lost on card. We, and we've been involved in matches like that that are, that are fairly forgettable. But for us to be a part of something like that, and at the time, I know Alexa hosted uh, a couple years later, a year or two later, but uh, I think then like we hadn't really... I don't know if any acting talent had ever hosted WrestleMania. I don't think so. But it wasn't really a thing by any means. So for us to be able to have the whole spectrum of... Uh, WWE performances in the ring, outside of the ring, I think is really cool. So that's what I, I, I'm glad we're able to kind of really round our resume with, with something like this. You, you mentioned that uh, lengthy feud with the Usos, which I think is like the peak of tag team wrestling, certainly in this era in WWE. Do you feel like the division is getting a little bit lost in the shuffle right now? Because it feels like there are just a, a slew of incredible tag teams on the main roster right now. And, you know, we're heading into SummerSlam this weekend where there is not a tag match on this card for whatever reason. Yeah, no, man, I, I definitely think uh, tag team wrestling has uh, is been it's subsided as far as importance. And I'd love to see it come to a rise again. And we have a lot of teams who I think are very talented, as you mentioned, uh, that aren't really doing a whole lot. You see, we I see AOP on a weekly basis backstage, and they're not being used. Uh, you know, we have B team, uh, but I also think we need to, we need some new teams right now. Um, it may appear like I don't know if uh, Daniel Bryan's going back to doing single stuff, but if he does uh, go that route. Uh, you know, that's another team loss. So I'd love to see the rise of tag team wrestling again. I'd love to see it be given some importance. Uh, but it's also kind of uh, it's a little disappointing to see uh, the Iconics have 
you know, not really have an opportunity to have a big title defense. They were, I don't remember them ever being on a pay-per-view since WrestleMania defending their titles. I'm pretty sure they weren't. Um, the fact that uh, Gallows and Anderson are defending their titles, we're not defending our titles. So it seems like right now the tag team wrestling is a bit of an afterthought, but I'd love to see it come back to prominence because I, I love tag team wrestling, and I think we have a lot of talent here, and I wish we'd do more there's three divisions right now, but it seems like they can only really find time for like one of them at a time, if even. And, and what has to change there? Is that an organizational structure thing and, and the importance that they're putting on you? Or is it a matter of just being undeniable as a, as a division? Um, it's a mix of both, but it's, if you also can't be undeniable when you're not on TV. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're, if you're never given an opportunity to show, hey, I'm really good at this, people won't really be reminded that you're really good at it. So it's, it's a mix of both. But uh, hopefully guys are, and, and women are given an opportunity and they're able to run with it. So it's, uh, you just have to be given that opportunity. Like, you know, you don't really see many tag title matches and a lot of times you'll see tag matches on TV and they're these thrown together teams or they're to advance another storyline that has nothing to do with the actual tag division um, so hopefully that changes uh, you know you're still going to be featured on the show you'll be in Kofi's Corner this weekend and you know I think when people have looked at uh, the, the New Day as a as a trio as far as who was going to get this singles push fans always thought it was going to be you that you were like the, the Roman Reigns of the, the New Day's shield uh, have you and X just always known that like Kofi is that guy? Um, you know, it's it's uh, the Kofi run really came out of nowhere. You know, as far as like he was a guy who was replacement for for Ali uh, because he was hurt, and to see his rise to prominence. But I feel like all three of us are very capable of having singles runs, and I, I also feel like really I, I feel more ready than ever to have a singles run as well. Um, so I'm excited about the possibility, and I, I, like I said, I think all three of us are capable, and uh, and Kofi. I think it's really demonstrated that we can stay within the New Day. This faction can still work. We can still have uh, runs of singles. So I think we're all prepared. Is there a possibility here that this group stays together forever, that you guys never break? I think that's the plan. I, you know, we, we've said that many a time. And I think if you looked at us five years ago, I don't think you would have imagined that this group would still be together today. Uh, so that's pretty incredible. I think it's very possible. And the fact that we still continue to show you different wrinkles and that we never rest on our laurels and we're always trying to improve, I think it's very possible that we're still uh, you know, able to give you new wrinkles and still able to give you something interesting for years to come. And you mentioned you know, wanting to have a singles run of your own here. If Kofi's still got that belt and, and you're coming after him, uh, is that a, a situation where you know, friendship bends but it doesn't break? I don't know, man. We, it's something that uh, I, I think is very possible. Like maybe, maybe there is an avenue for some friendly competition, or you know, or but there's also the uh, universal title, and there's Brock, and who knows if Seth wins it back, there's an opportunity there. So there's so much that we can do. You know, obviously with the wild card rule, there's this new fluidity where it's not just Raw, not just SmackDown Live. But who's to say I can't jump to the other side and, and do some damage over there? So there's a lot of different possibilities. We're all open to everything. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing that. Sweet. Thank you. There he is, Big E of the New Day, in conversation with yours truly last summer at SummerSlam uh, in Toronto. And remember the wild card rule? My goodness, that feels like ages ago. No, just a year ago. Weird to hear him reference that. And another point that I think was salient and still applies to the current scope of tag team wrestling in WWE. You know, we were talking earlier in the show, myself in the first segment and with Jake in Chicago earlier on uh, in this one, uh, about the fact that, you know, the WWE does not really put focus on their tag division. AEW does tons. The tag division is the main selling focus, the hook to get you back uh, watching week after week, whereas, like, you know, I watched Raw this past week. I think one of the big selling points of Raw right now is an extremely strong tag division. You have a ton of hot teams, whether that is the Street Profits or the Viking Raiders or, you know, even Cedric uh, Alexander and Ricochet, I think, is a very exciting, young, fun team. You know, you had Murphy and... Austin Theory for a little while there. I don't know where Austin Theory has gotten to. Maybe he got canceled during speaking out. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, he seems to have vanished off the TV at the moment. Maybe he has COVID-19. That was the big takeaway from Raw, honestly, this week. A number of absences for, you would assume, COVID reasons, including Billy Kay uh, of the Iconics, was not on the show. Peyton Royce said she was attending to Global Iconics Business, which is a, a funny explanation at the very least, but uh, I think safe to assume many fans probably did assume that Billy uh, perhaps struggling with 
COVID issues. And Ric Flair the same. Ric Flair was on all of the graphics for Monday night's main event, Randy Orton versus Big Show. He was not ringside for the match. His wife at the moment actually has coronavirus. So Ric Flair, you know, I think a lot of people had problems with him even being on these shows at all at the moment, um, especially just given the risk to him and how many health scares he's had in a non-pandemic world over the last 18 months. There's no need for him to be around at the moment probably for the best if he's not, but another guy who was noticeably absent this past Monday. And again, the hooks for this coming Monday and for next Friday as well, it's all just rematches and redos of kind of honestly bad matches from Extreme Rules last weekend. If you didn't like last Sunday's pay-per-view, what reason do you have to tune in to WWE television this coming week where they are giving you rematches right across the board promised for both Raw and SmackDown? Meanwhile, the match is being promised on Wednesday night's Dynamite. We're getting a tornado tag match. All four men in the ring at once. John Moxley and Darby Allen squaring off against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks with Taz at ringside. Ricky Starks joining forces with Taz and Cage. That was an angle that came out of this week's Dark. I watched Dark this week. What is going on with me and my wrestling consumption? I have time to watch Dark, but I didn't watch any GCW this weekend, apparently. And we are also getting the Tag Team Championship match that was supposed to happen months ago. Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, taking on Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. Look, it's been the Butcher and Blade's time to shine and get built up within this AEW tag division over the last couple weeks. Now, that right falls to Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. These two guys, I think, are quite good. And I'm not just saying that because they're Canadians, that they're from Toronto. These two guys were supposed to be the focal points of a very, very big angle revolving around the Dark Order. uh, When, of course, we saw the debut of Brody Lee, and it didn't exactly go the way that they'd planned because... Uno and Grayson just couldn't even get in the country. So glad to see them again, that they are out of Canada and working on Dynamite again on a weekly basis. We've got a five-on-five match, the inner circle against Orange Cassidy, best friends Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, and an open challenge, Cody taking on Warhorse this coming week, the man that a lot of people thought was going to be his open challenger this past week when it wound up being Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston cutting a fantastic promo to open up Dynamite on Wednesday night. And he forced Cody to work a different kind of match. I put it off too long in the night. I don't have time to talk about Cody, but we will get to that topic on the show in depth next week because I think when you start to look at what he has put together here over the last couple months as TNT champion, wrestling week in and week out, all these different styles. You know, we talk about the criticisms of Hangman Page or the criticisms of the Young Bucks. Cody is a man with a ton of critics who I think has risen to the challenge of this open challenge and uh, is is working a number of different ways as a guy who often gets lambasted for only being able to work one style. But that's a conversation we can save for next week because we're all out of time on the show here this evening. Uh, It has been Sportsnet 650. Always pleased to uh, interact with you, whether via the text line or the phone line. We will do it all over again. Same bat time, same bat channel next week and every week, Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here. I'm Justin Morissette, and you've been listening to the home of professional wrestling on the radio in Vancouver. It's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650.